Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Hello, how are we today? Good? Awesome. Sorry, I'm super loud, so this is going to turn me down. Hey, um, it's great to be here. My name's Mark, and... Um Hello, we're on repeat. This is so awesome. So, it's creepy music. It scares me. Um, who's been in the Echo? Has anyone been in the Echo yet? Gee, wow. The Echo is a hit, isn't it? So, there you go. Great start to a message. Okay, right. Hey, we're going to do an activity. Um, I need a few volunteers. All you've got to be doing, willing to do is eat basically some fruit, maybe drink some milk or eat some ice cream. Is there anyone? I need five volunteers. Um, basically, if you are willing to volunteer, just come up. Like, I'm not going to, you know, choose. It's not like a little game. So if you can come up. Oh, Jason's straight in. Awesome. Um, Pete's in. Actually, Pete, you can't volunteer because I need you to do something in a minute. So uh, Tim's in. Anyone else? I'm just going to pick random people. So just keep coming up. You do get to eat something. Oh, these two people? Yep. Do you want to come and volunteer? Oh, here we go. One, two, three, four. Yep. Come on. Okay. Big round of applause for our volunteers. Now... <clears throat> We're going to do a little bit of an object lesson. Uh, I'm not very good at food, and it does involve a blender. I was speaking at Chapel at Mueller last week, and I had an illustration that involved a blender, and it did not work. It ruined the entire talk. So hopefully that won't happen today. So this is what's going to happen. Um, you guys, uh, all you need to do is come over to one of these. One of you just needs to grab, there's a spoon here. Just use the spoon to grab a strawberry or a raspberry or a blueberry or you can use the spoon to put some ice cream in the bowl and have some ice cream, or you can pour some milk and have some milk, just one each. I just need you to come and do that right now. So it's exciting. Um, Don't fight over, just one per... um, Yep, that's fine, that's great. So you're going to have the milk, that's great. So the milk's gone, the strawberry's gone. Yep, I just leave some of the strawberries. No, no, leave some of the strawberries, yep, yep. Yep, some ice cream, oh, straight in, awesome. Blueberries, raspberries, okay, fantastic. Yeah, go go ahead and eat them now. Yep, that's great. Fantastic. Now, okay, so this is exciting, isn't it? There's nothing more exciting than watching someone else eat, really, and you don't get anything. And I'd love to say how there'll be plenty left. There won't be any left. You're not going to get any of this, right? So, okay, so how are you finding the food, guys? All right? I just want the ice cream. Is the ice cream good? Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Okay, good, awesome. Okay, so here we go. Um, sorry, you might just want to move that so it's the other way. So here we have a couple, a number of people here. They're each experiencing the goodness and the amazing, um, uh, incredible experience that food is. And they get to, to, well, the milk's probably not that exciting, is it? Let's be honest. It's better. Oh, yeah, I bought good quality milk. I don't drink milk. I actually have reflux and I'm like a sympathetic projectile vomiter. If I drink this, everyone, I can hit a bucket from three feet. I'm not kidding, right? So, okay, so... Now, here's the go, right? All of, these, all of these wonderful people up here are experiencing the goodness that food is. And they, I don't know if they love it, but it's okay. What would be better, Pete? Come up, Pete's going to do something even more amazing than this. What would be awesome is if we could take all these ingredients and Pete's going to make us a smoothie right before our eyes. We have not prepared this earlier. So Pete, we might get some background music. I haven't cued this. If you can get some cooking background music, that would be fantastic. I don't even know what cooking background music is. So, Pete, how do you go at the smoothies? Just mix everything together, my man. Get it all in there. 
I've just realized how boring it is to watch someone make a smoothie when you have no idea how to commentate. Right now, Pete's grabbing the ice cream. Okay, it's exciting. You're taking this very seriously. Oh, we've got background music. Okay, righto. So we're going to go. Okay, you can just pour the, the stuff in if you want, mate. Look at it. Oh, he's going hard. Yeah, just go it. Oh, here we go. Oh, awesome. Strawberries. Okay. Oh, there's, I can tell that, that there comes a point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we do have extra cups. I do have extra cups. There you go. On the run, ready to go. So, okay, here we go. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. This is so exciting. Is that, is that ready yet? This is, this is not a blender, by the way. I've been told this is called a ninja. Yeah, this is a ninja. This is not, oh, how's that going? Righto, are you guys ready? You ready? Okay, Pete, what do you got? What do you call this? A mock broadband special mix it all together. Okay, righto. Okay, here we go. And uh, welcome. Come and grab. Yep. Oh, awesome. This, this demonstration is taking a lot longer than I thought, and it probably isn't even very good. But if nothing else, some people get some drinks out of it. So there we go. Can we give these guys a big round of applause? Go grab a seat. Thank you. Thank you very much. How'd you go? Is there any left? Did you get any? You can, you can just... Yeah, there we go. Okay, thanks, guys. Grab a seat. That's fantastic. So when it comes to... Well, when it comes to... Um, the Christian experience. Some people can have this idea of God, that God's really angry, that he's out to get us, that he's some kind of really strong authority figure, and that he's kind of like a really harsh boss. And then if you're around Christianity for a little bit, you kind of hear this people talk about this idea of grace, and that God is not just, he's not just this harsh boss, he's, he's actually quite kind, and he's loving. And what can happen is that people begin to, to shift from God being like a harsh boss to now seeing God as like a kind boss. But actually, as we read what Jesus says about God, we find that God is not a harsh boss and God is not a kind boss, but he actually is a loving father who wants nothing but the best for us. And Jesus came, and when Jesus came to earth, he said, I have come that we may, that you, as in we, that you may have life and have it to the full. And I, I, I don't know whether this is right or not, but this is what I think happens. I think for those of us who are Christians, those of us who trusted in Jesus, we put our life and eternity into his hands. We are experiencing a level of his goodness. We can say, yeah, I, my life is more full. It's more fulfilling because of Jesus. But if we're honest, none of us are experiencing everything that God wants for us. All of us are getting a glimpse in the same way that these men and women who are up on stage, they're getting some of the goodness that is being offered. But probably none of us, if we're honest, are experiencing the fullness of what God wants for our lives. It wasn't until Pete took everything together and blended it up that they finally experienced the fullness of what was on offer. This is a really complex issue, and I'm not even going to begin to go into the complexities of this, but what I want to do today is look at maybe one of the reasons as to why those of us who are Christians can say, yes, God is good. I've experienced the love and the kindness of a loving God, of a loving Father. And I can talk about the fact that, yeah, Jesus came to bring life and life to the full. 
But at the same time, maybe my experience isn't completely what it is that God has for me. There's a gap there. And I want to look at maybe one of the reasons today as to why that's the case. Uh, We're in a series that's really describing the journey that people go on once they become a Christian and what happens after that. And this is, this is how I think it works. In the first phase of a journey, when a person first trusts in Jesus, the first phase of the journey, it's very much about experiencing God's love and kindness. And that's so important. We are primarily are created for relationship with a Heavenly Father who loves us, who adores us, who, who always has us on His mind. And when we first become a Christian, we can rock up to church or we can rock up to Christian events or we can, we can hang out with other Christians and we find that, that, that our needs are being met, that, God, you know, that, that God's using the people around us or the programs or the community to love us and care for us. And that's really, really important. But what can happen is over time, if we kind of continue to go down that path and we think that that is the end of the journey, we can hit a bit of a roadblock. It can get to a point where we start to think this is all there is to the Christian life. It's all about getting my needs met. It's all about what people can do for me or what God can do for me. And we hit a bit of a roadblock and we get to this point at the end and we go, you know what? I've been coming to this church for a while now. I don't know if my needs are being met as much as they once were. Or I was involved in this Christian program or this Christian activity or maybe whatever it is but I feel like I've hit a bit of a roadblock. As a result of that, I think what can happen sometimes is that we can take a detour. Because we think that it's all about getting our needs met, it's all about experiencing God's love and kindness, we can then go on a search. And the search is basically saying, hey, what can you do to serve me? I'm going to go to this church. What can this church do to serve me? What can this program do to serve me? How can this activity serve me? What can God do to serve me? And again, there's nothing wrong with having our needs met. Jesus came that we would have life and have it to the full. He wants to meet our needs. But if that's the only experience of our journey, we can become what some people would describe as a consumer Christian. We see the church as nothing more than an organization or an institution that is basically churning out goods and services for people. And we are consumers of those goods and services. And whilst, yes, we want our needs met, that, I think, is not the end of the journey. A couple of weeks ago, Jason started to talk about the second part of this journey. That actually, rather than take this little detour... We are to get on the second part of the journey. And the second part of the journey is really about the hope of transformation. All of us long to become the better version of ourselves, the, the person that God created us to be. And we know this because the self-help you know, books just keep churning out every year. And Jason began to speak about this idea that if we want to grow in our relationship with God, if we want to grow as a Christian, if we want to grow in our faith, then there are certain practices we need to engage in that we would actually pick up a Bible and we'd begin to study it for ourselves and try to make sense of it. And sometimes it's confusing and kind of new to church, I get, that's a very big journey. But we would have a go at trying to study this this book for ourselves or this collection of, of really many, many books and try to make sense of it and ask God to speak to us through it. That we would actually carve out time in our, in our, in our day where we would spend time intentionally asking God, would you lead me? Would you guide me? God, answer my prayers. I'm asking God, would you act on behalf of those around me? We will pray to God. 
And Jason said last week that we need to get into community, that we wouldn't just do the Christian life alone, but we'd actually gather together like we are today or gather together as we would in community groups during the week. And that the whole Christian experience is not to be lived alone. And again, this part of the journey is so important. It is all about growth. It's all about transformation. But what happens when you start coming to church and you're like, you know what? I've heard this before. I mean, it's going to happen. The Bible isn't, you know, we're not just keeping adding books to the Bible every single year, right? If you study the Bible after some time, you're going to go, you know what? I've heard this before. Or you, you begin to pray and you're like, you know what? This is, I've, oh, I, I used to be excited about this. This used to be a really transforming experience for me. I used to look forward to spending time with God. But it's just a routine now. It's just a habit. It's just something, people call, call them a spiritual discipline. Like it's this scary thing, right? I've just kind of lost the passion for it. And what can happen is, and, and this is true of my life and certainly probably true of many of our lives, we can go on this journey of transformation But again, we hit a roadblock and we begin to think, you know what, the things that worked before aren't working anymore and I've stopped growing in my faith. And as a result of that, again, what can happen, I think, is that people then go on another detour and that detour now is about grow me. Hey, this church isn't working anymore. I've got to go find the perfect church that's going to have the perfect teaching and the perfect discipleship program. Well, that's a church word, but like the, the perfect program to help me grow in my faith. You know, I'm going to go to this seminar and this conference and I'm going to have this experience and I'm going to have this kind of community and we go searching for just the right thing that's going to help me grow in my relationship with God and grow in my faith. The problem is, of course, is that we'll never be satisfied with that. And I want to ask the question today, what if, what if the problem isn't that we haven't found the right seminar The problem isn't that we haven't found the right conference. The problem isn't that we haven't found the right church. But what if the problem is this? What if there is another leg to this journey that many of us don't get to? And the reason we feel like we're stagnant is because we haven't crossed over into the third leg. So the question I want to ask today is this. What is the final part of the journey? How do we experience all that God wants for us? If God is a loving Father and in Jesus came that we would have life to the full, how do we experience all that God has for us? If you have a Bible there, we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 4. We're only going to look at two verses today. Uh, Matthew is one of the many books in the Bible. The Bible is actually a collection of books. If you're kind of new to the church or new to Bible study, Um, There are four key books that you really want to have a look at and study extensively. They are biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When I grew up, I thought Matthew was about a guy called Matthew and Mark was about a guy called Mark. How stupid was I, right? (laughs) Matthew is about Jesus. Mark is about Jesus. Luke is about Jesus. But they are written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first of these four biographies we find in the Bible. And Matthew writes... As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Now, just very quickly, this is a side point, but for years and years and years, I I used to hear people say, becoming a Christian is about following Jesus. And that confused me because I thought, well, hang on. What do you mean by that? Because really the Bible describes becoming a Christian is about putting our trust in Jesus. 
It's about putting our faith in Jesus. And following Jesus sounded a bit like, well, are you saying that to become a Christian, I have to make this promise or commitment that I'm going to model every aspect of my life and follow Jesus' example? And I got really confused by that. When I was in my first year of teaching, I was up the coast at Emmanuel Lutheran College, and the chaplain there was like this incredibly smart theologian. And I asked him this question. He said, listen, that could be one interpretation of what Jesus meant. But if you want to know what I think in a way that makes sense of everything else in the, in the Bible, he said, I like to think of it like this. Imagine you're lost in the woods and it's, it's late at night and you are completely alone. And then someone comes along and grabs you by the hand and says, follow me. What is that person doing? They're inviting us to trust them, to put our trust in Jesus. So when Jesus is saying, follow me, he's not just saying, follow my example. He's saying, take my hand, trust me, cling to me as I will cling to you. He then goes on, he says, if you follow me, if you trust me, if you cling to me, if you put your life and eternity in my hands, I will. Now, Jesus could have said heaps of things here. He could have said, if you follow me, if you trust me, if you put your life and eternity into my hands, I will forgive your sins. Ephesians 1.7, Paul writes, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. But Jesus didn't say that. It's true, but he didn't go there. He could have said, trust in me, follow me, and I will prepare a place for you in heaven. John 14.2, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, Jesus says, I would have told you so, uh, and I am going to go there to prepare a place for you. Jesus could have said, trust in me, follow me, and I'll make you a child of God. Uh, John 1.12, to all who did receive him, John writes, to those who believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus could have said, trust in me, follow me, and I'll meet your needs. Matthew 5, 30, 32, Jesus says, If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, will he not much more clothe you, your heavenly Father, who knows that you need them? Jesus could have said, follow me, I'll give you knowledge and understanding. He could have gone on to say, follow me, and I will teach you how to pray and not give up. He could have gone on to say, follow me, trust in me, and I'll give you a community to belong to. But Jesus didn't go there. Jesus didn't say those things. They're all true. What did Jesus say? Follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Now that's a really weird thing to say, but he's talking to fishermen. I don't know if he would have actually said that to us today, certainly if we're not fisher people. Um, but what is he saying? He's saying, listen, follow me, trust in me, and I'm going to take you on this journey. And the end result it may not even be the most important thing. Surely the most important thing is that we're reconciled with our Father in heaven. But the end result, if you go on this journey with me, is not just that you'll experience God's love and forgiveness, not just that there'll be this hope of transformation, but the end result is that you will be propelled back into the world. And I am inviting you to be part of something bigger than yourself. Jesus is saying your life will be orientated around who I am, what I have done for you. You'll be empowered by my spirit and you'll be propelled out into the world to pour your life out 
into the lives of other people who desperately need me, to pour your life out into the mission that I am giving you, that you would fish for the hearts and souls of men and women, of children who desperately need Jesus. That is what Jesus is saying is the end of the journey that I have you on. Now, what if the reason that a lot of us have become, I guess, stagnant or hit a roadblock in our faith is because we've never entered into this third part of the journey. Let me see if I can explain this a few other ways. Another really quick way to explain this is simply to use three different words. Rather than say the first part of the journey is about experiencing God's love and kindness, it's really about what God wants to do for us. The Christian life primarily is not about what we do for God. It is primarily about what Jesus does for us. And then what he does in us to transform us. And then ultimately what he does through us by his Holy Spirit to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, to pour out our lives for the sake of others, to commit our life to giving and serving, doing whatever we have to do so that people may be blessed by the incredible message of Jesus. Another way to think about this is to look at most movies, well, not most, I guess, but a typical kind of movie. I just picked one. We're going to watch a movie, uh, some snippets from a movie called Doctor Strange. See if you can see the three parts of the journey. Let's have a look. Now, every time I show a movie, I always ask, has anyone seen this movie? And basically, I get blank stares. Has anyone seen Doctor Strange? I'm almost at the point of giving up. Do you even go to the movies? I don't know what... Can you please fix this? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So here's the go. Dr. Strange has a car accident, incredibly well-known, um, effective surgeon. What happens? He has to be healed back to health. Then he, you know, he gets kind of brought into this training program. He learns this incredible powers. And then eventually he gets sent back out to help others. That's the journey. That's the Christian journey. Another way to think about this is that imagine we're all lost at sea. We're drowning and we're about to go under, and all of a sudden a rescue boat comes along, and someone throws out a, um, what are those things called? Are they actually called lifesavers, those things? The circle things. Anyway, you get rescued somehow, technically, I don't know, somehow you get brought up out of the water, put on the boat. The moment you're put on the boat, what's the first thing that's going to happen to you? You're not going to be told, okay, this is how you, you know, you, you raise the sails. This is how you, like, you're not going to be told. You can, first, you're going to be nursed back to health. If you're cold, they're going to give you a blanket. If you're wet, they're going to dry you off. If, you're, if you've got pneumonia, they're going to give you medication or whatever it is they're going to do. They're going to help you. They're going to meet your needs. You're going to experience the love and the kindness of a community that wanted to rescue you. But after some time, you're going to say, hey, listen, I want to know what everyone's doing. Hey, how does this thing work? Can someone, hey, I can see a whole heap of people every morning, they're gathering to find, you know, to talk about what happens and on the boat and how the ship works. And I want to learn about the ship. I want to, I want to gain some skills. I want to grow as someone who's on this ship and part of the ship. But eventually, if that does not result in me getting to work and pouring my life and my energy and my time and my resources and my talents into helping the ship rescue more and more people, It's a waste of time, isn't it? So that's the point. Here's the invitation today. All of us have been left here because God believes in us. 
The moment we put our faith in Jesus, God could take us to heaven in that moment. But he has left us here for a purpose. What would it look like to put our life, what would it look like to put our time, our energy and resources into the lives of others, into the mission of fishing for the hearts and souls of men and women who desperately need Jesus? I want to finish with a story. It's a bit weird because it's just based on emails or Facebook messages that I've received from someone. And the story is simply this. A girl rocked up at our church and um, had grown up in church her whole life, but really didn't love church. I don't know why she came. I guess our church was a bit different. And um, she kind of was new and I was having a massive games night. I'm, I'm a nerd. I like games. So we're having a games night at my house. And I said, hey, Lauren, um, if you're keen to come, there's a few of us hanging out at my house Saturday night. That was it. Literally all I did. When she came while playing, I don't know, some nerdy game, it got very nerdy, not just like, you know, fun games like cards, but like Settlers of Catan, does anyone know this? There's another level of nerd out there, right? If that's you, I apologise. I studied physics, we could probably hang out later. So, um, so they're playing some really nerdy games, so I'm just kind of sitting back, I'm not really interested, I'm just chatting. I've got ADD anyway, so whatever. Anyway, she just says, hey, listen, I, I know I've been coming for a bit now, but I still don't really get this whole Christian thing. I know I've grown up, could you just explain it to me? So maybe like a five-minute conversation, I just went through and explained it. That was it. Nothing else. This is what I got from her the next day. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to thank you for talking with me last night. I don't think anyone has ever taken the time to explain that stuff to me and keep at it till I got it. I'm really thankful. I get really sad talking about my life with God for some reason. I guess growing up, I was told having God in my life would mean it would be easy, but mine was a complete struggle, and I made some silly mistakes, which in the long run have changed who I wanted to be, and I always feel like a failure. But the way you explain it makes me feel like I'm not alone in this struggle. So thanks again. That's all I got. I, didn't, I just thought, oh, that's good. Hopefully it was helpful. Then, sometime later, she messaged me again. And she said, hey, listen, if it wasn't for you telling me that Jesus still loved me, she's referring back to that night, I probably would be, by this stage, she's at another church. I barely got anything to do with her. If it wasn't for you telling me that Jesus still loved me, I'd probably be in a very bad place right now. Now I want to make an effort to please God and feel so much more convicted when I do sin. It means that your message you're trying to get out there, uh, you're trying to get out there is, has such an effect on people, which is just the message of God's love. And over time, but not instantly, people can change for the better. So what's the journey? She went from just experiencing God's love and forgiveness to now she's in this journey of transformation. And then lastly, and this is incredible, um, she goes to Hope Community Baptist down the road. I speak there occasionally when, when someone gets sick. I'm the like substitute, right? Um, I'm there. She is, she is the first there praying for everyone, getting beside. She's so passionate. She wrote this to me just um, not, not long ago. Hi, Mark. I'm running a course at church. What's she doing? She's pouring her life and her energy and her resources and talent into others which is a miracle in itself. And last night I had to tell the story of my life as part of it. God used you, which was a five-minute conversation. I did nothing. It is the message of Jesus in playing a part in me coming to faith eight years ago. You probably don't remember. I didn't even know this. But I told God I was done with life, and if he was real, prove it. You called 10 minutes later and invited me to hang out with you and others. You told me the gospel, that is the message of God's grace, and it clicked, it clicked in. I'll always strive to obey God's prompting, as I'm sure you did that night. Anyway, God bless you. Have a great day. This is the journey.
I'm not saying that you get beyond experiencing God's love and forgiveness. That is the key. I'm not saying we ever arrive that we've transformed enough. It is not about that. But there is a third leg to the journey that if we do not enter in, we will hit a roadblock and we will go in search for religious goods and services. The invitation is today, what would it look like to step out in faith and trust God and say, God, I'm a broken person. I don't have my life together. There are times when I have doubts. There's times where I have questions. I certainly still struggle with sin. But if you could use a broken person like me, I'm available. Let's pray. So Father, thank you so much that you love sinners, Jesus. You came for sinners, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Thank you that, you, that Jesus, you died for sinners, to pay for our sin in full. And thank you, Father, that you adopt us into your family, give us your spirit, and you use broken people like me, like us, for your purposes. Show us our next step of the journey, Father. Amen. Thanks, Mark. I want to invite you to do something right now. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Jason, and I have the privilege of being on staff here at the church. And I'd like to invite you just to take out this card that you had on the seat when you sat down. Maybe it's still on the seat and you're sitting on top of it, um, which is totally fine. You can go ahead and pull that out. I'd like to invite you to do something this morning with what we've just heard. If you're brand new to Creekside Church, or maybe you're just brand new to church in general, I want you to know that what we're about to invite people to do is something that you don't have to participate in, but we would certainly love to invite you to be a part of it if you'd like to. But if you call Creekside Church home, like if you would say, on a regular basis, I come here at least once or twice a month, or maybe you'd say, hey, I'm more consistent than that. I come almost every week. I want to invite you to consider doing something with what we've just heard about this morning. Our mission